Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Francie, and I'm the CEO and managing partner of the Real Estate Investment Network. In addition to being a business owner, I'm also a real estate investor. I'm a coach, a husband, recently a grandfather. Now, along with that, I'm also committed to stretching beyond what I've achieved by continuing to elevate in living a fulfilled life by making a positive difference in my world. I'm going to invite you to join me as I delve into the details of the many wins of my guests in achieving their goals, along with, shall we say, the frustrations of the occasional deal gone wrong, because my guests are here to help you learn by talking about what's real for them in business and investing in real estate, from the life they're now able to live to the person they become along the way as they pursued their dreams in having the freedom they've gained by building a sustainable financial future for them and their family. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Before I introduce my guest, like I always do, I'm going to start by first thanking you for listening in and for your support and for the feedback you provide us on the show and to encourage you to continue to send your comments, your suggestions or your questions directly to me at CEO at RainCanada.com. If you're inclined, it'd be great if you were to share this show with your friends, your family, with other people you know, and yes, even people you don't know love to get the show out there some more so please rate the show and comment on itunes stitcher soundcloud or whatever platform you are going to happen to use to listen in and while you're at it please follow us on the everyday millionaire facebook page thanks again for the feedback you provide the team and i definitely appreciate it love it when rain members at rain meetings come up and talk about the everyday millionaire podcast the guests that they love to listen to and the things they've learned so thank you for that face-to-face feedback Okay, let's get this show started, shall we? Business, real estate, co-ventures, money, friendship. We all know when things are good, life is great. There's not a lot of worries or headaches. But what happens when things go off course, when there's a divergence in the view of the world, of agreements, of values, of priorities, when friendship and business deteriorate to be unworkable? That was my lead-in to a recent podcast interview with my friend and co-venture partner, Jared Hope. In today's episode, I wanted to share an important aspect of many real estate investors' success, and that is their significant others, which in this case is Krista Hope, who I also consider an awesome, awesome and close friend and who is wife and partner of Jared Hope. Now, Krista is truly the other half of the dynamic duo of this amazing couple. And a little bit about her is that after many years of working with people and of being coached herself, she is coachable and she does the work, she realized what has often been missing is the emotional connection for the individual. Without the connection, you can achieve a lot of things as she has, but you can be left feeling very unfulfilled. So coaching isn't just about accomplishing goals. Those are likely fairly easy for many. It's about truly living a life that you love. Krista's basic philosophy for she and her family is clear and simply stated. Life is short. Why not live the most amazing life possible? Listen in as Krista and I talk life. We talk real estate, family. We even talk a little bit about sports. Lots of things that we're covering today. Please enjoy the show. 
Krista Hope, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. So great to have you on the show today. Welcome. Hi, Patrick. So great to be here. Okay, so I'm going to uh, throw it out to you. Um, we had a little bit of a warm-up conversation just to get our brains in gear. I'd had a really, really busy morning, and so I just needed to wind down a little bit. And so thanks for that little chat about life in general. We've known each other for a long time, but mm-hmm. having said that, for those people who don't know you, I always open with the question, if somebody walks up and doesn't know you, Krista, and says, Krista Hope, what do you do? What's your answer to that question these days? Well, I'm a, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, and I'm a coach, and uh, in, in no particular order. But uh, yeah, so I work with clients in, in coaching and helping them get what they want out of life. And uh, I'm also a really busy mom of two really active kids. And, and uh, as you know, Patrick, I have a full-time husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, just kind of another child, yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. He's a full-time job, yeah. but, um, in, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's what I'm up to. Now what's, what's apparent for me or was a bit of a gap in that was because your husband is, uh, one of my business partners, uh, Jared Hope, and, uh, we've known each other a long time and as well. So, but th- what I missed in that introduction or your explanation is a real estate investor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that too. Well, but no, but isn't it interesting that where you are in the headspace that you're at, you know, is that really you are a real estate investor, but it's like, you know, that's, that's kind of the the playground that Jared primarily lives in. Is that the case? Yes. Yes. That's definitely the case now. So when you started, let's go, let's go on a little bit of the Krista Hope journey because um, you're still very young, but you've got history, of course, and there's a journey to where you are today. Uh, mm-hmm. You and Jared are very, very accomplished in uh, real estate, in business, in life in general. Um, it was so great. I had not uh, had any time to spend for a long time with uh, Kenzie or Grady. And that was like when I, when I was at your place in Kelowna and, and spent a little bit of time, hung out in their space. That was really, really good. I mean, wonderful, wonderful kids, you know. Yeah. Where's the time gone there? Where's the time gone? Oh my gosh. So that was really, really cool. But let's go back a little bit. Um, tell me a little bit about your background. You're born and raised in Alberta, but give me more specifics in that because there is a journey here and and I will get to part of the journey. Now, I'm not trying to manipulate the conversation, but I do because I know a little bit about your back or a lot about your background or whatever that might be. Anyways, my point is, is that there is a, a a lot of learning along the way that we can share, I think, with listeners that will really see how you've accomplished what you've accomplished with you and Jared. And it's not always been easy, but you are today. So give me a little bit of where you started. So I'm from a farm, a farm background, grew up in, uh, on a farm out just outside of Grand Prairie. My dad was an entrepreneur and part of the, as in another company besides the farms. And before that, he was in the RCMP. So um, it gives you a sense right there of my upbringing and, um, loved farm life and it was a great place to grow up. And the big thing I, I got from my parents is entrepreneurship and being my own boss. I actually started out when I left the farm and well, there's some things I started out in, which we don't need to go into, but, um, they're kind of irrelevant now, but I became a massage therapist and right away from there, I started a business. Um, my dad's big messaging to me was, if you're your own boss, you can control your life. 
And, um, you know, I realize now that was different than other people's messaging as a child. So yeah, I started a business right out of school. Before that too, my parents were also, you know, they had had side hustles really trying to make a future besides the farm. So they were involved in different MLMs and, and through that, I got a ton of really cool, um, I guess we'll say business coaching because in my space was a lot of motivational tapes, a lot of really amazing motivational books. And so I, you know, spare time and all these things in my space, I would, I would read them um, or listen to them. I'd be driving to school listening to Zig Ziglar or, you know, different motivational people on tapes, cassette tapes. So that was my upbringing. And Jared and I started dating. Let me see. I'm trying to remember if I was finished school. I think it was just finished school. So right at the beginning of my business. And um, he really quickly jumped on board with me. Uh, I recognized I needed to create something more than what massage was going to provide for me. Um, I quickly had staff and, and was trying to grow that. But there was still going to be a ceiling of what was possible there. And um, I knew that I wanted to have children at some point. This is, I mean, so this is kind of funny because this is before I look back and think, is this a journey I want my daughter to go on? I'm not so sure because at this point we weren't even engaged or anything. But Well, but where did you meet? So let, let's, let's slow down a little bit and go back a bit because you're raised on the farm. Your parents are still uh, farmers. You know, they're yeah. still, they do, uh, I think their, their big thing is, is Buffalo, but I'm not hundred percent sure of that. Do they, do they have cattle as well? Nope. nope. Bison. They went to Bison and that was that whole thing. Now, and back then, you know, when we think about the environment, now I think about the environment that you're creating for your kids, you know, for Grady and Kenzie and where that's all going to go. And of course, who you are in the space that you are in and that that's, that's kind of cool. But let's go back that environment, your personal professional development tapes, inspirational, motivational kind of tapes. So you're, you're being immersed in all of that. You come forward, you go through school, you're going through school in Grand Prairie. Did you pretty much do all of your education there? Nope, in Edmonton. Oh, you actually came to Edmonton? That was my actually my second time moving to Edmonton. The first time was in travel and tourism school. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, but okay, hold on. But yeah. now, were you? Did you? Were you a billet? Did you stay with friends, family? How did you end up in Edmonton going to school? What grade were you in? I graduated, so okay. the first time I had a roommate, and then she quit school and moved home early, and sort of left me like, uh oh, what Uh-oh. do I do? Yeah. And so I got a job with a travel agency back home. And so I, I didn't complete and instead did training on the job in, in Grand Prairie. Kind of post-secondary stuff. Yeah. And then, so I was there a year or two and worked. Um, I actually quit that to, to serve in lifeguard because I could make more money um, than being a travel agent. Were you a lifeguard? I was, yeah. No kidding. You know, something that when I was a kid growing up, I always wanted to be a lifeguard, but I, I just never took it on. I was a great swimmer. It's the best job. Like yeah. hanging out by the pool, you know, <laughs> making money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Well, and yeah. you know, but that's funny because I, like, I even swam competitively in high school, but I, I just never, ever pursued it. Anyways, that's not about me. It's about you. So you were a lifeguard. <laughs> that's it. cool. Yeah, it was great. So, so I did that. And then I decided I wanted to take massage therapy. I was always really interested in self-development and in that aspect, um, the body and, Mm -hmm. um, healing and growth. So I went out to Grant McEwen to take that 
I, I played hockey, Grant McEwen, and and I, I worked as a lifeguard there too. It was great, great times. So you did your RMT, then you kind of hung your shingle up at, were you in an, like a standalone or in an office? Or I, there was a time where you were located in a gym, I recall. And yeah, I, I really lucked out. You know, I was originally planning on working under even one of my teachers or something, sort of mentoring through them. And then there was this, this opportunity to um, start a practice in a personal training gym. I mean, really just the stars were aligned and it worked out. I, I, it was premature for when I thought that I wanted to start a business, but it was perfect because the clientele that I got to be surrounded in. So this was a personal training gym downtown Edmonton. So really, really cool um, exposure to really interesting clientele that had been, you know, were very successful in life and whatever they did. And, and that got to be the people I was hanging around with all the time. As far as clientele, so it's always kind of cool to reflect on the journey and how we got to where we are, and and mm-hmm. so you know you're being you know, not only were you raised in an entrepreneurial environment, but now you're working within an environment with a gym that there's entrepreneurs hanging out. Your clientele is is you you've got a pretty strong base of entrepreneurial clientele. If if I'm not mistaken, is that is that actually accurate? Yeah, absolutely, and like exceptional entrepreneurs, people that had just done really cool things. So that that seemed really normal and possible to, to do really cool things in the world. So, and then, okay, so we're there. Um, are you, what are you in your early twenties there? Or you, how old are you in that at that point? Yeah, I graduated from massage school in 2000. So it would have been right after that. And then, and as a part of that journey, my mom, um, she'd been saving up, you know, you used to get the the monthly checks for children as, as, as you grew up. So she had always saved that money and, and they, they paid for my schooling and they hadn't used it towards my schooling. Instead, they used it as a down payment on a condo. And so, um, my cousin became my roommate. So she paid me rent. And then at the end, when I eventually sold that, um, which is what I used for Jared and I's first house that we bought. Mom and I split the profits from that condo. So truthfully, that's the beginning of an, our real estate journey. Well, that's interesting because I didn't, I don't, I didn't know that part of your story. But so you were actually a real estate investor before Jared was a real estate investor. Um, yeah, I was. Uh-huh. It, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it was. oh, that's good information to have. That's it was, so good. It, it is. It was pretty funny because it drove him crazy because yeah. I would never let him. He sort of, you know, semi moved in. Hope my kids don't listen to this, but um, <laughs> it drove him crazy because I wouldn't let him pay for anything because you know it was my place. Uh-huh. I didn't want him to it to be that's <laughs> genius so uh so where now where did you meet now was where was he in his hockey career when you met Jared? was he had he hit that kind of pro or was he still junior where was he when when you, well, so when you he, met him? he'd had to he'd had to quit hockey at the point that i met him from from concussions okay so he was playing for the ice at the time kootenai ice i think yeah, yeah. and uh, then yeah it become had become kootenai but, yeah. but when i met him he was done that he was done. Okay, so you were yes. later in after the the multiple concussions. Oh, can I throw cheap shots at Jared? No, I oh, can't. Uh, I can't. Absolutely, I can't. he'll love it. <laughs> I, we always say that's Jared's you know really issue is that he had too many concussions as a young man growing up. But anyways, we all, we love Jared. So the so so you and Jared got together. You were actually the kind of the real estate investor now, which is just a, a little bit of a sidebar, but. Mm-hmm. What do you think that was part of what the inspiration was for your real estate investing journey 
even with Jared, because even before you became part of Rain and started really getting serious about investing in real estate, you and Jared actually had taken on some other real estate projects. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, one of the books that my dad had gotten on his book of the month, my mom and dad, was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I'd already read that. You know, at the time, I didn't see how I was possibly going to start investing in real estate, though. Then we we knew you and Stephanie, more Stephanie than you at this time. Yeah. And, and so that's, you guys introduced us to this rain, uh, you know, so invited us to come to one of those weekends. So it was there that, you know, it started to open up the possibilities of, oh, maybe we really can make this real estate thing a reality. That's where you met Stephanie. You had met Stephanie before you met me. And let's go back a little bit in that, because in amongst all that, you were skating, as I recall. Of course, that's was that not how you met Stephanie? Was that there was a point where, I don't remember. Why don't you tell yeah, me? Let, let me fill you in. Yeah. So um, Jared, in the midst of our dating, um, decided, I think a lot of it was he was hanging around the gym that I had my practice in. And there he sort of got remotivated thinking, maybe it's a possibility that I get back into hockey. Like maybe my head will be okay. Maybe they were wrong kind of thing. And so he decided to, to really invest his time into making a comeback. And part of that investment was working with Stephanie in the power skating. In and around that, I used Stephanie as a business coach for my massage practice. We also did some work together as a couple with her. This is kind of the weirdness of Jared and I. I mean, we had seen a, a counselor and done coaching before we were even married. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I realize now isn't normal, yeah. um, which is great, which is like what I love most about us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's from influences of people, you know, people like you guys. And that's not weird. It's certainly not weird in my space and, and at all. But having said that, you know, the one thing that I've come to know about Jared and you uh, is that you're, you're both coachable and you are always seeking coaches. You know, I, I've, I, I don't even remember the last time I was without a coach for an extended period of time. I may, I may take a break from somebody giving me some coaching. Will I take the coaching and put it into practice? Yeah. But I'm, I've always got a coach, always. And sometimes two or three different ones, depending on what I'm requiring. Yeah. And I know Jared's built that way too. I mean, Jared is like all about, you know, I don't have all the answers. I need somebody to, to support me and get me off my ass and move things forward. That's actually where I met Jared was the first time was with Stephanie when he was making his comeback into hockey and he was using her and, and, and working with her on ice, off ice. And I, I knew in the background that he, she was working with you as a couple to the degree I knew, uh, but I didn't, I wasn't part of it at that point. Yeah. Then we forge ahead and at some, and I, and I'm, and I don't want to take over the story. So I'm just trying to recap. Yeah. Then I think it was through the relationship with Stephanie that you and Jared ended up coming to an, a, an acre event, a rain acre event. Is that correct? That's right. And, and to answer your previous question, yes, I did do my uh, power skating apprenticeship through Stephanie too. Okay. And then, but I got pregnant and so that oh, didn't go darn, very far. darn, darn pregnant stuff. Kenzie. <laughs> Kenzie. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but, you know, and the, 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 what's interesting about all of this whole story and, and the reason I add that I always want to add some depth and background is because as we come ahead this many years later, you know, 20s, 20-ish years later, the reality of it is, is that it is a journey and the success that 
you've achieved, you and Jared, as a couple, a couple things. This is my recap on it. And yeah. and that is a couple things. Number one, you came from humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. Jared came from humble beginnings. I know that. And we've I think we've maybe even shared that on the podcast with Jared. And the reality of it is, is that you as a couple collectively came together and you've been through all the shit that normal that couples go through, normal, abnormal, whatever you want to rate yeah. that as. But we we grow as couples, but in in all of it, it's our commitment to moving forward together and supporting each other is what really helped you build the businesses that you that you've built. Yes, and that came from humble beginnings. So it wasn't like you were born with any kind of a you know silver spoon. I mean, it was great that your parents were able to give you a bit of a launch uh, because they kept whatever the, I can't, I've lost the I name. I can't remember what they're called either. Yeah, the, but... the, whatever the child benefit in Alberta yes. program was at the time. And really, I mean, think about the impact of that. It wasn't yeah. big. It was really actually quite subtle that yeah. your mom did a joint venture with you back when you were so young. And it was actually probably a catalyst, certainly a fork in the road to take you on a journey called real estate investing. Yeah, I, I actually... I really wish Patrick that they, you know, whatever they just, you know, parents, you don't get it, but I really wish they got how we wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for the beginnings from them and how they started us. You know, I'm going to go off and I digress a little bit. Is that, is that, do you think, and I think this, but that's just me, is that parents try too hard. You know, when I consider the, scenario of my own upbringing so on the wrong side of the tracks so mm-hmm. lower income my parents were my relationship with my dad was in question always my mom and I were always pretty awesome and we still are to this day I'm blessed to have her at 91 years old and um but really think about how your parents did a lot but it wasn't like this focused energy they were just who they were no. kind of rubbed off on you yeah. so it's more conscious about who we're being as parents, as opposed to what we're giving our children. And, and, and that's my observation today in this day and age. So I, I digress, but. Well, that's a good point. I actually, yeah, I was just reading something on the weekend about that. And I, you know, there is a fear in my bubble wrapping my kids because. Well, you know, I had a, I had a guest. Let's, let's digress a little bit because I, I really find this quite interesting. And, and given where you and Jared are in your lives, I mean, you know, what you've accomplished in, let's just say in the world of real estate, what you've accomplished mm-hmm. in business, what you've accomplished financially. I mean, you, you've achieved so much and, and as a couple in your own development. So let's just look at that. Okay. Then yeah. you've got two kids. Now, both you and Jared are, are very, very athletic. You have a background of athleticism. How tall are you? You're like, what are you? Five, seven, five, eight, five, eight. I'm yeah. Skimming five, nine. Yeah. Five yeah. I mean, <laughs> You're tall, you're athletic, you're beautiful, you got it going on. You got this this whole thing and you guys are really rocking it in the business world. Like you got some really cool stuff going on. Then you've got two children who are by probably hard work and uh, with some genetic benefits, they're athletic, they're driven, but they're yeah. also in an environment that's really supportive. You guys are very yeah. very conscious of how you're parenting. But um what do you think? Are you giving them too much? Are you making it too easy for them? Yeah, you know, I'm constantly looking at this question, Patrick, because um, 
you know, we talked about this a little bit when you were here, but this nature versus nurture thing. And I've seen now with our daughter, I was always thinking, I just don't think she has that, that competitive drive. I don't, I don't know if she has all the athletic potential in the world. I just didn't know if she had the mindset capability, but that all of a sudden in the last year, that's been clicking into place. No, she's 14. We should point out she's 14. Yeah, she's right? 14. So, um, you know, Jared was right on that because, because he kept saying, you know, you just keep creating the environment, create the environment. And, and part of that was really like helping push her when she didn't understand to push herself, if that makes sense. Now that, that could sound wrong or bad, but it's not, I mean, and it's okay. People can think what they want with that, but it, it has paid off. And, and now, now it's about, it's not about pushing her. She, she's got all the drive herself and we're just about encouraging her for telling her she's doing a great job or not when she's not. But, and so then I'm there with my son a little bit right now. Like he's just such a sweet kid, but again, and it doesn't matter in the end because either way, he's a great human being. Um, but it is, it is the question and I, there's just no owner's manual with this Patrick. So I'm not going to profess to know, but that's my experience now with my 14 year old. Well, you know, it, it's, um, here, we'll talk about sports a little bit first, first and foremost, you know, Jared was a competitive athlete and, and he played at a pretty high level. He, yeah. he'd achieved some really great things. So when I look at what's going on in the hockey world, and I don't really follow hockey, to be honest with you, you know, although my, yeah. my business I've had been in the hockey world for 35 <laughs> years, <laughs> yeah, but I don't really follow the sport. But anyways, the, you know, as I had an opportunity to have a conversation with uh, a number of players, not, not the least of which was uh, Wendell Clark, by the way. But mm-hmm. that was only to say this, is that I'm looking at what's going on in the league today, the, the NHL, and how many second generation kids are now they're actually going into the NHL. You know, you look at Craig yeah. Simpson and Brian Banning and Louis DeBrusque and Wendell Clark. And I mean, the list is actually quite long. And so I asked the question of Wendell Clark, you know, is it nature or is it nurture? Is there is there a genetic predisposition to being and having that athleticism and that attitude? Or yeah. or is it because guess who's guess who's there prodding you and training you and giving you the guidance and supporting you in doing that. You know, Crosby lived with um, Lemieux for the first few years when he was drafted as an 18 year old. That was no accident. I mean, Christ, that was a a brilliant move taking a kid with Crosby's talent and housing him with a, a, you know, a former superstar. So, so when we look at that aspect of that, I find that interesting, but in the terms of what we provide our kids, given where, you are and Jared are in you, in your own lives, the kids, the talents that they have, you know, Gary V did a really, really cool segment and he, and it was just such a powerful segment that he did. I, I would, I wish I owned this part of it, but I just so believe in it. And he just looked out at an audience of adults and he said, we got to quit raising our kids the way we're raising them. We are raising a generation of self-righteous children yeah. where it's okay to, you know, that we want them to have a participation badge or that we don't drive them and that they have expectations that are are not built on on having to really drive or push themselves to do anything. Yeah. So we give, give, give. Now, I'll share one other part of this story because this is how I'm linking stuff. So I have a great mm-hmm. conversation with a, a guest on my show, uh, Mark Workington, a friend of mine also that I've gotten to know. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or in a conversation after. Now, Mark Workington's a very accomplished lawyer. He's got a very accomplished, uh, you know, he's very, a very established uh, 
uh, business uh, legal legal firm. He's a very accomplished real estate investor, and and but raised from very humble beginnings. So he's a pastor, for example. His dad was a pastor, for example. And I think I think farming. I don't remember the details, but very humble beginnings. And uh, I said to Mark in my conversation with him, and this is how I remembered. I said to Mark, I said, "So why are you doing this? Why are you, are you doing this for your children?" Mm-hmm. And he, as you know, I said, "This is part of your legacy." And he is just as plainly says, why would I do that to my children? Like, it was like, what are you talking about? Is this for my children and legacy? He actually said, why would I do that to my children? I got here because of my upbringing. I got here because of the battles I fought, the, the morals and the values that my father and mother taught me. And I fought for everything I got. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Why would I take that away from my children? Mm-hmm. I'll support them in their education. I'll support them in their journey and I'll support them with guidance and love and a home and all the things that they need. But I'm not, why would I give them anything and, and take away that experience? And I thought, wow, that is so profound. I just love that, that yeah. part of it, you know? Yeah. So what are we doing to our kids? So this is totally off in a digress, but what's your view of that? So do you think, are you at risk of raising self-righteous children? Of course I, of course I am. I'm definitely at risk of doing that. And so I'm constantly checking myself. Here's the big thing, Patrick, that I, that I always come back to. We forget when we're in our normal, it's our normal. So, you know, I'm not comparing myself to other people. I just, it's just my normal. So this is where, um, you know, you constantly have to do the work. You have to be you have to be getting um, feedback from people or to see where I'm potentially in a blind spot. So we actively see a counselor with, with our 14 year old um, just because we don't know what we don't know and we're learning as we go. So we're trying to do it the best way we, that we can, for instance, like social media with our daughter, like, I don't know how to raise a 14 year old with social media and learning that as I go. And I'm trying to do the best I can to, allow her to be a normal 14 year old, but also not be taken out by it. Yeah. My point to this is just, I don't know if I'm doing that. I'll find that out in 20 years, I guess, but I know I will, I will give my kids the tools and the resources to know how to get support if they, if they are off track. But so what this, what this makes me think of Patrick and what you were saying about the, the NHL kids, like there's so many of them, the parents being NHL players and then the kids coming up. And that's interesting. And it's interesting when I look at someone like Jared as a dad, um, for instance, with hockey, was his way always the right way? Well, his way was his way and what he knew. And so we were a great team in that as far as we are polar opposites in a lot of these things. And so then it's great because it gives the kids good perspectives you know, and, and we've had to really learn how to team up and be aligned with these two opposite poles. So, you know, he, he would push them at times, but I think that's in the long run. It, so far, it seems like that's been a really good thing for them. I'm going to go back a little bit to the self-righteous part that Gary V pointed out. And I want to do that because I, I want to represent what I heard from Gary V that day, which was also is that as parents, the self-righteous comes that we're actually more concerned about what our friends think about us as parents based on how they judge our kids yeah. than actually what our kids are achieving on their own. 
So in other words, when it comes to clothing, when it comes to the cars that we're, we're giving them or the opportunities we're giving them, it's because we want to appear more accomplished or we want to, it's about us, in other words. So, and so our kids are actually at the effect of parents' egos and parents, how parents want to be seen in their community. Now, that's pretty profound because, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's what is unsaid. It's kind of the elephant in the room that parents can't see. That is a huge blind spot for parents. They say they're doing it for their kids. They're not doing it for their kids. Their kids just want to be happy, healthy, and loved by their parents. Yeah. That's all they want. So my, 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 I have some views on that as far as I've had to do a lot of work around being okay with money and being okay with having things. And so what I'll say about that is, is what I'm hoping that I'm doing for my kids is, you know, when we have nice things, we're doing it because, because it feels good and we love it, not because we need it and it changes who we are or what it says about us. Now, I actually find the people who have the judgment and the maybe on people who have nicer things, and you know, I find this in my coaching practice, it's them who are going to limit themselves from what's possible because they're putting, um, they're putting an impossibility or a negative thing on it when really it's just a thing. Who cares about it? Right. You know, it's complicated. You know, the world that we've got today is so much more complicated than, you know, my daughter's 33 years old, 33 years old ish. And, uh, you know, I got grandkids, so, you know, I probably shouldn't even have an opinion of all of this, any of this. And, and I don't know that I do, but I, I guess I, is an opinion. I just, I'm assessing because I'm always interested yeah. in, in the world that way. Okay. So a little bit about hockey too, because, you know, you and I, uh, Jared, you know, Stephanie, I mean, gosh, we've been in sports all our lives, involved in it in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And now that you're seeing your kids, uh, and what has this all got to do with real estate? I'm going to get to that. But yeah. I think this is important background is that, you know, there's lots to learn here in terms of parents who, how do they show up at any sport? We talk hockey, but it would be, it could be basketball, it could be swimming, you know, who we are as parents in the world of sports is, is really part of, uh, how we, how we develop our kids because sports is not just physical. It's really about how do you learn how to play on a team? How do you get along with others and all of the things that you do? So when you're having conversations with your kids, for example, and, and I, I'm, I'm reason I'm asking is there's a lot of people that don't, that are listening to this with children playing sports that don't have the experience that you and Jared do. How are you being as parents, number one, let's say in the stands or in the bleachers? Are you letting the coach coach or are you screaming at the coaches? And I mean, it's a bit of a loaded question. I, I don't think that yeah. you are, but maybe you are. Maybe is Jared one of those guys that comes out of the, out of the bleachers and goes, coach, learn how to coach? No, but the challenging thing has been for him. You get it. When you see the game at such a high level that he does, and, and when you see your child not being developed like they could be, that's a really challenging thing for him to have to watch. It's challenging for me and I don't have a, you know, a portion, I have a small portion of the knowledge that he does. And um, I can see the lack, the poor skills being developed lots of times. That's been a really challenging thing sitting back from uh, to observe over the years. My perspective as a parent boy, some of my biggest growth, Patrick, has been in being a parent in the stands. I, I can't say I've always liked who I've shown up as. My competitiveness has definitely come out. Um, I've gotten way too wrapped up in it. And 
and thought it was far bigger deal than it was at, at, you know, much too young of ages. Because when you're in it, you don't see it. You don't realize the perspective of it's such an unimportant thing at that time. Now we tend to, to sort of um, stick to ourselves a little bit because uh, it cannot be the most positive environment at times. We, we sort of keep our bubble and then we're just friendly and keep it pretty, pretty light with, with parents and coaches and things. Not too intense. That. Yeah. We, our, our coaching for our kids, Patrick, though, is all you can control is doing the best that you can do. You can't really control anything past that. And I mean, and now our daughter, it's interesting because she's learning to advocate for herself because she's having a hard time building trust with her coach who is an unbelievable coach, but she needs to advocate for herself so she can have a conversation so she can really buy into his systems. So it's really cool because this will serve her in life as she learns to do this on a hockey team. She'll be able to do this in a job one day or, or maybe in school. Yeah, it's and it's interesting about the the system, you know, in in amateur sports. I mean, you've basically got some really committed, keener parents who really want to take on coaching and are doing the best they can. But then, of course, their time is limited. Their their ability to get uh, to seek counsel and development of their coaching abilities is limited. So, in a volunteer system, it's really challenging. And I know over years of just been involved so many years with coaches, et cetera. Guys like I'll use Jared as an example with the background that he's got. Um, you put him on the ice, and he's coming to the game and to the coaching and how he coaches totally different. And I'm not just talking about coaches as in terms of play of the game. I mean, we're talking about amateur sports. To me, coaching is yes, you're teaching them the fundamentals, you're teaching them the play of the game, but you're also teaching them how do they how do they feel about themselves, how do they develop the skills, how do they create effort mindset. I mean, you, when you think about what you gave Kenzie, just in the gold is you can only control what you can control. And what you can yeah. control is your effort and your own mindset. And the rest yeah. of it is really out of your control. How you react to certain situations, those are the things you can control. You can't yeah. always control circumstances, rarely as a matter of fact. Yeah. Patrick, an analogy that comes to mind that I what I really struggled with was watching coaches completely over their heads in what they were capable of and having people around them that have the skill set and ability to help them. Like, like, you know, let's say Jared in hockey, it would be like me. I never played basketball. I don't even understand the game of basketball or know it. It'd be like me trying to coach a basketball team and having a pro basketball player able to help you. And you don't use that expertise. This is where ego comes in. Like wait, in this, and this, and it's prevalent with men in sports. The other thing is when we look at real estate investing, we could, we could use as, as an example, how, if you have somebody who understands the game and has, has done it, why not get their support rather than try to muck it out and figure it out for yourself? It's really the same thing, well, but, but yeah, people's egos get in the way. Totally. That, and that is the question of the day sometimes, you know, being in the, you know, in the, with rain as many years and in the world of real estate investing, we sometimes ask that question. I, I think it, it's like, do you think maybe, because we kind of went down the rabbit hole call sports. Yeah. Um, do you think a little bit too, is that we see it in sports with parents is they want a quick fix. They want their kids to get their or even themselves, they're, they're looking for a bit of a magic bullet, that kind of way of doing it. And real estate investors, I think, are often like that, too. They're trying to figure out shortcuts. 
Yeah. And I think that we forget it's, it's our ego gets wrapped up in it. It's not the kids. Like the kids probably going to be okay. Say if they get cut from a team or whatever, but we may not as parents. So that gets wrapped up in there and we have to separate the two and, and, and look at that. So I'm going to, I'm going to, okay, we're going to stop talking about uh, sports and sports, but this many years that I've been involved in it, as I know, it's easy to get pretty fired up about it, but I will give parents one little insight. When your children get to a point where they are old enough, where they're playing a sport, and I can only speak to hockey, Mm -hmm. where, because you said it, you know, Kenzie's, you're teaching Kenzie and you're supporting her to be your own advocate. Mm-hmm. What happens with kids as they get to that age where, let's say, 14, 15, maybe they got some talent and you want the coach to see them. You want the scouts to see them. Parents get really, really can, not all parents, but some parents get really, really aggressive. Yeah. And they're trying to get them out to the scout. Look at my kid. Look at my kid. Look at my kid. And they are actually, here's, here's the deal. Scouts are making notes on all the kids. And one of the notes that they'll put beside the name of any child, any kid that has potential, mm-hmm. is if you got a parent that's an asshole, yeah. they actually, that will be what gets in the way of your child, your player getting drafted yeah. and getting a chance. So you parents just be yeah. very, very careful in the, in the, in the, in the world of most uh, sports. And I, uh, and I'm, and I'm not going to speak to it like an authority, but let's say hockey, basketball, swimming, like if your child is of an NHL quality, yeah, very, very rare that they're going to get passed over Yes, because you don't have that level of play that even if they end up playing in the minors, you just don't get passed over. The system's too thorough. Yeah. If they're that good, they're scoring goals, they're getting assists, they're doing all the stuff they do, people notice. So Absolutely. So parents- and and th- that, yeah, that's the thing. It's funny because this is exactly where coaching real estate investors, the key thing that, that I help them with is why are you doing it this? What's the purpose? Where are you trying to get to? So when I look at like my kids in hockey, sure, they can have a goal of making it somewhere in hockey, but the real purpose they need to be connected to is doing the best that they can do. Now they may not be NHL or college university caliber, but if they are, they need to to find it within themselves to achieve that. So they need to be connected to why they're doing it. And so they're doing it to do their best. Now, we talk about coaching. Now, you take on coaching. Talk a little bit about the coaching that you do, because I know Jared's a how-to coach, but he's not just a how-to coach anymore. He used to be a how-to coach, right? Like, you know, how do you invest? How, 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 how? But we know that there's far, far more to it than how-to. If if it was only about the how-to people would be way more successful investing in real estate. So let's, right? talk, let's, yeah. talk, <laughs> without a doubt. So let's, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about some of the coaching that you and Jared have morphed into because of your own journey. Yeah. You know, I'm the first to say, you know, Jared and I have invested in a lot of real estate together and we've, oh, I can't even, let's, you know, how have we screwed up? Let me count the way, let me count the ways, right? <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but the point is, is that, is that the lessons learned, um, you and Jared have taken on in a big way. I mean, you own a lot of real estate, but you also treat it like a business. You've built a business around it. Yeah. And, and then you, then you broke into providing some coaching. And so let's talk a little bit about 
what's your role in that coaching that you guys do? And and what do you see beyond the how-to? And you know lots of how-to, but I don't yeah. think that's the path you go to on your coaching, is it, Krista? No, it's not. It's great because I have the background. Sure. Um, so my, our, my journey in the real estate specifically was I was really involved at the beginning um, and, and right through, I guess, until probably five years ago. And that includes paying bills, bookkeeping, uh, making like banking stuff. Like you, you were, you were pretty much in the trenches of it. You might not have been writing offers and buying deals, but you were a a behind stage kind of player that was doing a lot of work, right? Yeah. I always joke that I'd, you know, I'll I'll set Jared in motion and then he, he does it all. Oh, Hey, listen, there's no doubt about any success he has is because of you. Well, it's great because I wouldn't, I'm not the finisher that he is. So, <laughs> That's exactly right. And I'm not the like need to win at all costs and yeah. go big. So yeah. um, that's why we're a great team. But that was the thing we needed to learn. And, and you get this watching us. Our big journey has been understanding what each other's gifts are and then, and then supporting each other in that. And um, sure, our life in real estate would have been a lot smoother and easier had we understood that earlier on. And so when I could, I, I sort of replaced myself and folded myself out of the everyday of the companies. And so now that I really get to live within my, my passion, which is working with people to help them get what they want, to, to coach them. And what, what I love about coaching is I'm a great listener and I really am passionate about helping people see their own gifts and helping them get what they want. So we believe really strongly Number one, there's no point in, in becoming a successful real estate investor if, if you're not doing it for the reason that you know why you're doing it, which means many times along the way, we could have stopped if we'd understood that that's, that's all we needed or that's what we wanted. But we just kept blindly going and going and going to, to win whatever game we were playing. And as a couple... You know, we certainly went off track numerous times and, um, you know, barely held it together, to be honest with you. So I'm pretty passionate about helping people if they're in a, in a relationship to do it together. And if anything, to let the real estate investment bring you closer to learn, learn these things to, as a way to practice being in a great relationship. When you consider the the journey of real estate investing, and we talk, you know, you talk about the why. There's two questions I have you uh, for you. Is I don't know that I I've talked to Jared, and we've talked about purpose. You know, what is what is our kind of primary um, calling, if you will? Do you is yours different than Jared's? Um, yes, definitely. And and at times, to be honest, I've tried to live within the same purpose as him. And and you know, as we were learning and growing about purpose, um, but we're not wired the same, which is what which essentially is what makes us great together. So my purpose is to, in just a really broad sense, is to live from love. And so everything that I'm doing in life and how I'm being is about coming from love. Now that might not mean anything to you, but I have a clear sense of, of that anchor. So when I'm making decisions of what to do or where I'm going, um, it can really, it can really clearly define what I need to do. I'm going to share something. I've never shared this with certainly in public with anybody other than Stephanie, but I'm going to share it is my calling leading up to a whole bunch of other shit was all people are living in love. Oh. So I changed it 
because mm. people didn't get it. Yeah. And, and so underlying for me, that's what's always there. And so for me, it's, it's a, my, my calling primarily is if I'm going to articulate it, I say all people are being their best selves and living their best lives because people okay. can wrap their mind around that. Yeah. I'll just say, this is the thing. This is the thing about my coaching. Like that's okay that they don't get it because it, I what, know it's, the, I totally right? like, know that. Here's the thing in a coaching moment, like you're in a conversational connected moment, sure. you could feel me dropped in there. I can feel you. Like when I, when I feel you speaking of love, I can feel that. So that's all that matters. There's a, and so that's what I love in my coaching is helping people get to the felt sense of things. Because the truth is about me, Patrick, it's why I'm super scared coming on podcasts like this because I don't feel like I'm super good at explaining myself or describing myself or, um, you know, pulling up quotes or, or factual things. But I'm really good at connecting into felt senses of things and knowing from there. And I, I mean, the, you know, for me, for the, you know, there's a couple things that because I know you and, and, and certainly Jared is that what's great about you on this podcast is that this is a conversation that is kind of goes on in the background somewhere with listeners and with people. And, and, and if they can understand, it goes back to what you said before, why would you not tap into those that have gone on the journey before you, those that have done the work, like, as you said, you've been through all the struggles of the actual real estate and business and the relationship and the shit that hits the fan in relationships, the shit that hit the fan in real estate and the things that we need to accomplish. And you've, you've come out the other side of it and still growing and learning and doing all the things that you're doing. But now you're able to share that, uh, that actual, uh, those, that journey, those lessons along the way in a really, really powerful way. Yeah. And, and you do it from a space of, like you say, you know, of living your life, your purpose of love. And, th and that just totally resonates with me. You know, it's, this is the funny thing about, about me, Patrick. And this is where, what motivates me to be here is that to really help people see that it doesn't have to look a certain way when you do something, when you're successful, when you're creating something, um, it just needs to look your way. This is the funny thing about me in a lot of ways, Patrick, probably lots of people who know me don't even know I'm a coach. I'm, I'm like a ninja, super like secret coach. Right. <laughs> I'm not interested in working with just anyone. I'm, I'm interested in working with certain people. It's not, you know, it's not front and center in my life of what I do. So I really am a, just a normal <laughs> person that people have no idea what I'm up to. I don't even declare myself a real estate investor, which is kind of funny. But yeah, like it's, it could just be really normal and you don't, it doesn't have to be unattainable. Like, you know, I listen to some people on some of these podcasts and I'm like, oh my God, they're just so amazing. They've done so many things. And like, you know, these stories can creep in like, oh my God, I need to do more. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't know, how about me The You know, the guy on the other interview side of it. Right. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Oh, and see, that's crazy, right? Because I mean, I look at you, Patrick, and I just, I love you and you've done so many things um, to me, but, but in the felt sense of ourselves, we view ourselves as totally normal, like, because yeah. it's our normal. Yeah, it's your yeah. normal. Yeah. It's, it's your normal. So 
let me ask you this question, and and this isn't. Um, I, I want to go to this because I think it's important. There's a lot of listeners that will know Jared, and and mm-hmm. and and they don't know you. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to get on this call. Mm-hmm. Now, you're all. I don't want to call you polar opposite of Jared because you're not polar opposite. You know, you have, you know, you're competitive. You're smart. You 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 understand real estate investing. You understand business. You're being a, a great mom. You're doing all those things. And you're very, very conscious about your own personal professional development. Now, that's actually you and Jared both. And Jared is really driven to compete, to succeed. He loves to win. He loves to win. He loves to win. You're not built that way. He comes across as harsh sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and I both know another side of Jared, but there is that side of Jared where... Um, hashtag asshole, but <laughs> what, what do you, how do you speak to that? Like, do you, do you, you know, how do you see Jared and, and, and you know that you're dealing with some of the character of Jared. So, but what's, what's your thoughts on that? What do you, what do you, is, have you got anything to say yeah. about that? Yeah, I do. The two things that come to mind. So one thing that comes to mind is, is something Stephanie taught me years ago where, um, your strengths overdone are weaknesses. And I'll, I'll tell you why this makes sense of what I'm saying. And the other one is, I remember Alan Kahn, at one point he coached us for a little while. And he told me that, what if Jared was my biggest guru in life? Like, what if he was my biggest teacher? And, and it's so true. So, so the point is, if I were with someone just like me, I wouldn't grow. So he and I both get to learn from one another because he has aspects of his personality that are underdeveloped in me. You know, that, that comfort, you know, speaking in front of people or saying what I, what I'm great at. Mm-hmm. Those are strengths Jared has that he's really comfortable in. Mm-hmm. Um, he and, owns and so, it fully. He owns fully. fully. Yeah. And so it's pushed me to have to step in and grow those aspects of myself. Um, and then there's thing aspects of my personality that have helped him grow. And so we're, we are a really great team in that way. We're, we aren't opposite in every way. Like we are super aligned with what we're doing in life and, and, um, yeah, our alignment with raising kids and things. Totally. You guys are, I mean, you guys are awesome parents. You know, it's interesting what you just bring up, you know, strengths are strengths, strengths overstated or overbearing are actually our weaknesses. And and that's so true. And, you know, one of the things that I, I have to say about, you know, Jared, because here's something interesting about it, like a couple of things, I'll go off on a bit of a tangent here on, on a couple of aspects. Number one, as a competitive athlete, I don't know any competitive athletes, none that aren't that intense at some level when they're playing the game. They're freaking intense. Like they're even hard to be around for me because I, I, as intense as some people see me and I've been told I'm pretty intense, I'm nothing compared to game day player level intensity. So Jared, whatever game he's playing, there's a level of intensity that comes with it. Yeah. Now, having said that, and to your point, Stephanie is kind of that we have a lot that we bring to the table for each other in our own learning. And what people don't understand about, well, not, I don't want to say that, not that it matters. What people may be interested in knowing about Stephanie as a, an Olympic class coach, I can assure you she's intense when she's game day, when she's like, when she's working with clients, when she's doing what she does, 
it's intense. Like she's clear, she's focused. And I've learned so, so much from her. And I, and I'm, and I'm her, her worst cloak coaching client, by the way. I'm not her, she yeah, says, yeah. You, like, I, you got to go somewhere else. I can do, I cannot work with you. But go you're away. secretly taking it in. You just can't tell her that. <laughs> a, this many years later, almost, you know, whatever, close to 25 years later, I, I've just learned, it's just absorbed, you know, it's not like, anyways. So, so but that's the, that's the thing about, owning, you know, at that level, really owning your gifts. And she's great at that. Jared is really, really great at that. I think you and I have both had to develop that skill of owning our strengths. Yeah. And you know what, what this brings up, Patrick is I'm thinking about some conversations with some clients recently, and we often coach clients together. So he coaches them in the real estate investment and I coach them in the personal side of things. And um, it's a pretty funny dynamic at times when I'm coaching them getting coached by him. Cause oftentimes, as you can imagine, he can be a real trigger for them. Yeah. Now what's great about that is I get that on such a deep level, but, but it's the aspects of themselves that are underdeveloped in those areas that are getting triggered. So what they don't see is it's their, it's them that's getting triggered from their stuff. stuff. It's their stuff. So it's great because then I can really nicely, you know, help them see that in a, in a really kind, non-confronting way. (laughs) Because it doesn't, you know, uh, you know, Jared and I have the relationship I have that I have with him and, you know, and Stephanie's that way too. We can be really direct and not even know we're being direct. It's normal for us. This goes back to what we talked about earlier. I've actually had, Stephanie and I both had people walk away that don't know us as well and go, does he always treat you that way? Does she always treat you that way? And we look at it and go, like, what? You know, oh, it's so direct. It's funny because our, our kids will sometimes talk, refer to a fight yeah. that we had. And we're like, what <laughs> we're are you going, talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> that was that's a discussion. So yeah, that's just a discussion. It was like, just be straight, be real. It's nothing. Anyways. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you know, the, it's interesting about your, what I want to go back to around is your coaching is that, um, you, you've, you've not only been coached a lot, you've, you've actually learned the, what we call it the skill or the art of coaching. And it really is an art. Coaching is something that is really takes some, uh, some focused effort, especially the kind of coaching that you do, or even that somebody like Stephanie does, you know, you yeah. talked about like, you're, you're like a, a, a kind of like a ninja coach. You don't really wear it out in front of you. And it's interesting about that is that, you know, Stephanie's known because she's of, as an athletic performance coach, because, of working with athletes and few people know that she works with lots of, uh, you know, business owners or a number of business owners, but she's like you, here's the thing. If you want to be coached, you will find the coach, Stephanie, you, she makes it almost freaking impossible to get a hold of her. But if you get through all those filters, then you're ready to have a conversation with her. And if you, you know, it's like, if you can't get through them, you're not ready for her anyways, because the champion's journey and the, and the mindset and the tenacity of a champion and to go to the next level, you got to be able to get through all of those blocks. Right. Right. And, 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 it's so great to work with people who are ready to look at things. And, and I, I'm not really interested in, in working with people who don't even aren't looking to be coached truthfully. It's a fundamental is that, uh, and I've, and I've seen this happen in, uh, a number of times and I don't do one-on-one coaching other than with rain members who phone, make an appointment. I'm always happy to do that, but I don't, I don't have a coaching program, but I've mm-hmm. had people who said to me, you know, Patrick, would you, would you consider coaching me? And I go, no, not really. I'm not up for that kind of a program. Most people go, okay, I understand. I get that. 
But I had literally people who are ready to be coached go, listen, everybody can be bought. What's the program? How much would I need to pay you? Right. Love it. Yeah. Like it's, it's the next level of commitment yeah. and the, the eyes, whatever the prize is that they have their eye on, they're going to make sure that they get there somehow, some way. Yeah. It's just the difference. Right. And, and, and people can't understand that. Well, he said no. Well, the other guy goes, I don't give a shit if he said no. Yeah. Let me talk to him some more. I just need to convince him that he has to say yes. Well, and that's the thing that I wish, you know, that's the blind spot for so many people that I wish they could get. If you want something, go after it, like take it on, make it happen. And, and I, what I've really learned working with people is that's something that was really, that was pretty normal to Jared and I, that isn't necessarily normal. Like if, you know, people tell us we move fast. Well, when we know we want something, we just, we do it. And, and so if I could give anything to people, it's like, if you want something, make it happen and do it. Make it happen and do it. And that takes not only practice, it does take practice. It takes some training. It takes some practice because of course, in behind all that is the conversations going, you know, the fear and the, the, the self-talk yeah. is don't do it. Don't go, you know, what will he think of me? You know, like, yeah. you know, the guys that, you know, the uh, guys, the people who actually yeah. drive it don't really care. You know, they don't really no. care. You know, the guy who says to me, dude, just tell me how much, you know, yeah. he doesn't care what I think about that. What yeah. I think about that is I go, gosh, you got to give the guy credit for tenacity. No, I'm not doing a coaching program at this point. Maybe, right. maybe one day. Okay, great. I got you almost there. You'll soon yeah. be there and I'll be on board. Right. It's like, that's the kind of stuff. Um, yeah. so when you look at real estate investors, Christoph, just from your perspective and, and, you know, given the coaching that you do, you're to a point, if I'm understanding you correctly, you and Jared don't even really do singles anymore. At least that's not your, in, like, that if you're married or if you're in a significant relationship, you're almost insisting that they come together uh, to well, be coached. I mean, yeah, true? sometimes, sometimes they're not, but the truth is there, it's only going to go so far for them. It's going to be challenging if they don't Now, I'm not saying both people have to be actively involved in real estate investing, but to some degree, if you're in a relationship, that person needs to be dipping in to figure out what's happening here. Like, what are you up to and, and how can they align with you? Cause it's just, it just makes sense that you're not going to, if you're not aligned, how are you going to move forward together? And that just means, it might just mean, how can I support you in your journey of real estate investing? You know, that's such an important part. And we see it and I see it many, many times. Uh, I've seen it many, many times over the years, which is to say a couple, they're real estate investing. One actually is going, you're crazy to do this. You know, yeah. I, I share the story. It's like, it's like the, the husband or the wife, one of them want to invest in real estate and the other is operating on top of a story. I'm not investing in real estate. Do you not remember uncle Joe, uncle Joe lost the farm investing in real estate. And but, but you know what? Yeah. But you know what that really is, Patrick? Sure. Trust. Trust. So that's the thing we could skim over that and make it about real estate investing, but fundamentally it's trust. Hmm. And what do you think about trust? Let's, let's delve into trust a little bit. Trust of what? Trust of what? So, um, we'll trust in your partner. So now I guess I'll, I'll go back into my journey on trust 
so at the beginning, like I was really actively involved. And so when, you know, we'd really, we'd make decisions together. I would know all the facts. I would, I would drive Jared crazy with getting information from him because he operates very differently than me. So the, Mm -hmm. what I would require from him was challenging for him truthfully. Now it was great because he learned from that. So that there was that because I would, there was an attention to detail that I had that he didn't have, but essentially it became underneath of it. I don't trust you. So I need to just keep trying to get more information to feel comfortable in this. So what I realized when we, you know, we had some challenges in our marriage and underneath of it was trust. And there was some, some trust stuff that wasn't there. And, and so with work, you realize there's, there's something, it's not just me. If trust issues are showing up, it's him and me. So there was things he needed to look at and things I needed to look at. I was showing up in a way to make him untrustworthy. Mm. I wasn't giving him confidence to, to go out and be great because it was constantly, we could call it demasculating or, or undermining him and making him question everything. So yeah, anyway, so they're, they're not that I was responsible for anything, uh, but there was an aspect where I wasn't, didn't have his back in it and was constantly taking his power away. You know, what I like about all of that is that in this particular conversation, I recently, and I, and I had Jared read it. I had everybody that I could around me read the book, which was called, um, extreme ownership. And, and the reality of it is, is that, you know, don't blame, don't complain, look at your role in whatever's going on. It's like, there, there's always a component. It's easy to look outside of ourselves and say, you know, I'm a victim to that. I'm a victim to that. It's his fault, her fault. We blame, blame, blame. The blame game, it goes a long ways. And and the reality of it is, is that when you, for you know, when I really, I've always been pretty good with extreme ownership, but not to this degree. And when you take it to the degree, so if you're reading the book, if you if you get extreme ownership, man, oh man, it's a powerful book in terms of that. But it goes back to what you were just talking about in the relationship that you had, uh, you know, you have with Jared is what part and what role do you play in the trust conversation, for example, yeah. and how that can break down. Yeah. There's a, so, go ahead. It, well, it, I was going to say, it's up to me to figure out what I need to feel secure. And I didn't, I just didn't know that Patrick. So I didn't know what to ask for and what I needed in that. And, and so then I just kept questioning. Um, but, but now I get that. And so if I'm not feeling secure, I can express that and, and I can really get clear on what it is I need to feel secure because fundamentally we're different in that. Um, you know, he's, he's okay playing the game more. I, I have a little bit more secure tendencies of how I want financially to feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. There's a there's a the couple things that showed up in this conversation for me around trust, and I'm going to share what is called the um, the four quadrants of trust. And I can't, I don't own this, and I want to give credit to who it is. I'll make sure I get set up in the in the notes uh, of who actually owns the four quadrants of trust. So if you take the four quadrants of trust, so if you break it down and you do a cross, and so you have four quadrants. In one corner, there's the the quadrant. In that quadrant, there is truth. That's what most people relate trust to, which is, mm-hmm. are you telling the truth? Are you truthful? That's one. Because trust is actually quite a big, big box, right? Yeah. The If you go to the right of that, you'll, and have another quadrant, you would then have 
ability. Mm-hmm. D- does that person have the ability? In the uh, the other, do you trust that person to have the ability? Because guess what? They could be telling the truth, yeah. but do they have the ability to do what they say they're going to do, deliver on what they're going to deliver on, be who they're going to be? The other quadrant is competence. Mm-hmm. Are they competent? Can they actually do it? And then the fourth one is care. The other word would be love, yeah. right? So it was just a really cool breakdown of trust that I, and I, and I hope I spoke to it correctly. I believe I did, but anyways, yeah. that's uh, and I'll, I'll give ownership to who it is. And the other thing that showed up for me around what you just said, this was a quote that I got from a friend of mine and I don't know where she got it, Donna McGuire. And her and I are, are pretty close friends. And we got into a kind of a heated debate one night mm-hmm. and, uh, and I, and we're back and forth. Stephanie and Barry McGuire moved down the table from us cause they were embarrassed because we were <laughs> anyways, what she finally got to was as we got through the conversation, she actually used the statement. I just got something. And she goes, and I go, what's that Donna? And she goes, I've got to own my need. Oh. And I went, yes. And she goes, I actually, in our program that Barry and I teach, we actually say, own your need, which is to say, if you've got a need, own it and then get it handled. Absolutely. That, yeah, you need to get flat with that and communicate it. Isn't that profound though? It's so so simple. Three words, own your need. No, I I love that. And and that's about slowing down and listening and really getting clear on what, who am I and what do I need? And so a lot of the things that I, I encourage people to do is to slow down, is to do breath work, is to, is to listen and be connected so that, that you do know what you need. It could be as simple as that. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, there's this place where, you know, we need people like somebody will say, well, I need her or I need him to do this or that or the next thing. Okay, well, great. Own the need. So in other words, you yeah. have to be able to state that in some way that gets that need looked after. And then at least that way, you know, so if somebody say, if you say to somebody, I need you to be this way or do that, and they go, no, it ain't going to happen. Then at least, you know, it's done. Move on. Well, because if you, if you don't, what does it build? It builds resentment. And and the the thing is the other person may not even know that it's happening. So here you are building this huge resentment (laughs) and and the other person's oblivious. Yeah, totally. So you don't own your need. You're getting pissed off. You're being resentful. The other person doesn't even know what's going on. Oh my God, this is the story. I mean, you're a big Brene Brown fan, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I actually, and this client might listen and he'll know who he is, but um, I, I had a, gave him an assignment to watch her movie on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> he came back and said, you wasted 90 minutes of my life or whatever it was. And I was just like, how is it possible that you could watch that and not, but it's funny, but yeah. And so I like to tease him about it. Because um, he gets he it thinks, now? Yeah. No. Well, he's getting it. He's, he's getting, getting it. it. He's getting it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he'll get it more now that I'm calling him <laughs> out a little bit. Um, but, but it's this story and, and we're in blind spots of how often we're just making shit up in our head, creating story about another person that may not mean anything, uh, you know, that we're making up about them. It, it may be completely a story. 
You know, what's, what's interesting about, you know, and, and anybody who's continuing to listen to this podcast to this point will be going, what the hell has this got to do with anything? What has this got to do with real estate? And what, what's it got? You know, it's got yeah. everything to do everything. with real estate. Yeah. And and the reality of it is, and and I always I, I I go over to so much that I've learned from Stephanie um, in working with athletes, because she's a performance coach. She's mm-hmm. you know some would call her a mental performance coach or whatever they. But but the point is this: is that people have technical coaches. The athletes that she works with have technical coaches. Right. They have the she has the how to coaches. She's not a how to coach. She's not out there teaching them technically what to do and all the things. She's done that in her life. She no yeah. longer does that. But yeah. these are world champions. So how do you perform at your best? What gets in your way? I'll tell you what gets in your way. What gets in your way is how you live your life. And, and so they have dietitians, they have nutritionists, they yeah. have technical coaches, they have yeah. wardrobe slash, you know, they have choreographers, they have people that dress them and make sure they're wearing the right outfits in this case in the figure skating world that Stephanie works in and and yeah. it doesn't matter it could be hockey players the point is this is what gets in the way of actually true truly being champions and what gets in the way is shitty relationships bad mindset in terms of not owning your need yeah. not actually getting clear and concise on what's in your way of taking your game to the next level and that yeah. might land as mindset for people but it's not just mindset mm-hmm. how the hell are you living your life you know, what yeah. is the relationship you have with your children? What is the relationship you have with your significant other? What is the relationship you have to money? All right. of those things play into the success because Jared's going to tell you exactly how to succeed investing in real estate. And then yeah. you're going to run up against the wall and you're not even going to know what the hell it is. And what it is, is what we all get in our own way, right? Well, what's crazy about this, Patrick, is it's when you step back and look at it, how absurd is it? to have issue with getting help. Like I do, you know, we just don't, I don't know. I guess I have a bit of a beef with why people would not want to get help. Like how are you supposed to know how to do something if you've never been taught? It's like getting from grade one to grade two. If you don't have help to get there, you're not going to get there. So why, why is it in people's way to go get help to get what they want? Well, there's two parts to that. You know, that's such a, oh man, I've looked at this question so many times. And I think there's a couple parts to it. There's number one is the part of it is, is that why don't people seek guidance, you know, when it's, when it's available. Yeah. And that goes back to, because they don't trust, they think they're being overcharged. Can they, they have all sorts of stories around it, but then why aren't people not coachable? Right. And, and often that is so much what I've learned in, in my experience is often it's about ego in terms of people thinking they should know more that, and they're difficult coaching because they want to be right. And, yeah. you know, you're a coach, you've seen this how many times, like you see it, like it's so plain to you what's going on for that person. And you actually have to come at it 15 ways before they can get through and see it. So your job is to guide because you can't tell, you have to guide no. and people got to get to I their mean, own that's, stuff. That's the key about coaching is that is the best coaching is when you, when you're not predetermining where they're going or what they need, when, when I'm dropping in and feeling in their world where they're at to help them with a blind spot that I can feel, I don't necessarily know the way through because it's their life. They know the best way through. And so, you know, my job is to just keep dropping in there with them and see 
you know, help them see a different perspective to maybe see to the other side of it. Because we all have our, we all have the answers. We actually have the answers. Yeah. In, in my coaching training, um, one of the pillars is that people are authentic. Uh, I'm going to butcher how it's said exactly, but something to the degree of people are authentically resourceful and whole, something like that. But basically that we're perfect underneath it all. And so that's all we're trying to uncover is peel back our patterns that we've learned in life and the things that have, have, have been created in our world, uncover back to that authenticity and, and live life from there. Yeah. You know, this is, uh, I love this question or this conversation because, you know, this many years of working with, you know, thousands of investors and coaching Ray members and all the rest of it, there's this continuing and ongoing kind of thing that we're all, (laughs) you know, individuals like you or Stephanie or Jared or JG or any number of the team are really committed to. And Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes we get lost in maybe how we present it or people don't really understand where we're coming from with it. The reality of it is for where, let's say you and Jared are, is whether you get a coaching client or not, isn't going to make one bit of difference to your net worth. You know, it just doesn't matter. I mean, you guys do it 100% from a place of, of, of support and, and you don't even take all the coaching clients. You're like Stephanie that way. You're not ready. I don't want to take your money. I'm not interested. It's like, it's it's that way. Right. And people can't necessarily see that. What's really great about it, Patrick, is that um, I'm not doing the coaching because I need to create, um, an income. Mm. And so what's beautiful, I mean, that's the thing I hated about my massage practice was I loved doing it so much. And I, but, but it was always challenging with the charging them aspect because I was trying to just survive at that point. Right. But now I'm not trying to survive. So I'm genuinely charging my, for what I'm worth, what my time is worth, but I'm not attached to it. So, you know, I, I don't, I get to let go of that drive of, oh my God, I need to, you know, take this client on who isn't necessarily ready to work with me or, or something because I need to put food on the table. Um, so it's, I feel like so fortunate to get to work that way. Yeah. Love this conversation, but guess what? <laughs> We're coming to the end. I know. <sighs> I could talk all day to you, Patrick. Yeah, darn it. I could get into this conversation. It's, you know, I think that is so, so important for people to understand that beyond the how to's and get out of your own way, you know, quit yeah. judging yourself so freaking harshly. Totally. Yeah, just love yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Just love yourself. Yeah. It'll all come together, right? People will show up. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to do some rapid fire questions. We're going to wind down the show. This is all about you. (sighs) Rapid fire. Okay. (laughs) Feeling the pressure? Okay. What's one book that you're reading or that you love to give? What do you think it is? And it can't be Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because that's a staple Everybody should read that book, but you can't recommend that one. We're in the world of real estate and it doesn't have to be real estate related, by the way. Okay. So I'm currently reading The Big Leap. I love that book because it's all about like hitting your ceiling and recognizing it's just your patterns in a way. But the books, the the person that I've been reading a lot of her stuff of lately, and um, I'm not going to recommend one thing because everything I've touched on by her is amazing. It's Pema Children. I'm sorry, what is it? Pema, Pema children. Okay. She's yeah. a Buddhist monk, actually. And oh. I've not had a lot of exposure to Buddhism, but everything she says is just so profound. Uh, you, I mean, just Google a quote by Pema children and 
You'll understand yeah, yeah. what I mean. Okay, I'm going to make a note of it. Mm-hmm. Cool. What's your favorite swear word? <sighs> I can't say it. Yes, you can. You're going to go, go, go say it. My poor kids and my nephew's now living with us too. And I'm like, oh, I really got to watch my potty mouth. But I see a lot of the F-bomb. Yeah, you're and an f bomb. I don't, I don't, I, I agree with Tony Robbins. It's, it's not necessarily bad. I think that sometimes it's totally appropriate. I'm such an <laughs> F-bomber sometimes. <laughs> Do you have a favorite inspirational quote? I'm looking at this one in front of me. It's quite long. But... Go, shoot, do it. Okay. It's there because you like it. So It's but... so good. Um, it's Maya Angelou and says, she said, I've learned that whenever I decide something with an open heart, I usually make the right decision. I've learned that even when I have pains, I don't have to be one. I've learned that every day you should reach out and touch someone. People love a warm hug or just a friendly pat on the back. I've learned that I still have a lot to learn. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People forget will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Love that one. Love yeah. that one. Yeah. Do you all. think, you know, total sidetrack, do you believe that you can live a life and succeed in business and in real estate in this by living from just a totally open heart? Yes. I'm so glad you asked that question. Yes, I do. I do. I 100% do. Then why can't people do it? Why don't people do it? Because, because they're learning, they don't know how. And, and, you know, you got to do the work to sort of allow yourself to live from that place. Not, Not that it's always, but I actually think if you really live from an open heart all the time, you would take the cap off of what was possible. You and, and Stephanie and I, we might, we might invite Jared. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do a retreat. We're going to do a workshop. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do this shit. Okay. Um, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the gates? Ah, Krista, my dear, you're here. <laughs> what are you not very good at? What stands out that you're just really bad at? Oh, I like this question. <sighs> You know, the thing that I've really been at work on this year is um, really letting go of any concern about what people think and just like, oh, gosh, that's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. And really noticed, I've really allowed myself to feel the trigger of that this year. And mm. it's been some dark times of feeling the, the depth of how much that's controlled my life. Um, but as I learned to let go of the grip of that, it's there's so much freedom there. You know, there's a, a book that because we talked a little bit about books, there's a book that I read and I reread. And so I'm actually not reading so much these days. I'm doing audible. I'm audible, yeah. audible, audible. And I'm doing it when I go for walks. I'm doing it when I'm doing yard work, I'm driving, yeah. whatever the case. I love audible. And uh, so that's more, and it works for me better than actually reading, but that's a different story. Yes. Two books that I'm reading, and this I'm going to link back to what we just talked about, which is the judgment of ourselves or feeling judged or what other people think of our, whatever that scenario, whatever those stories are mm-hmm. and what triggers us in that regard is the book that I love, have come to love a lot. It's called The Untethered Soul. Oh, right. And you can, yeah. you, once you read it, you can pick it up anywhere and it doesn't yep. seem to matter where or it's always the perfect spot and it yeah. always has meaning and you can't hear it too many times. And it drops in so much deeper each time and you oh. think... How can that even go further? I know. But it does. It's it's like the trigger, right? It's like, yeah. you know, you go, why am I triggered by that? 
Well, because it was inappropriate. It pissed me off. Okay, great. Yeah. Now, why did it piss you off? Well, it pissed me yeah. off because it, the timing was shit and it embarrassed me. Oh, well, that's interesting. Why did that embarrass you? What is the, you just keep yeah. going layer by layer. It's amazing yes. the charges that it takes off. I love it. So, so side note on that, Patrick, when I moved to Kelowna, I, you know, I'm big on manifestation and you end up where you're meant to be, be whatever. But the yoga teacher that I took a yoga teacher training with a couple and, um, the man in particular, that that's his teacher. And in fact, they went and lived with them. Oh, so wow. we were getting some real special inside pieces from Mickey Singer, um, and like sort of direct downloads through his, his student. And some of the people in my class even went to some, some of his stuff in Florida. Amazing. What was the other, uh, what was and, the... and he's a great example, Patrick, if you read his next book, the surrender experiment. Yeah. This was it, was it surrender? I thought the surrender experiment came first, but it came second. You think? Well, it's the stories first. Yeah. It did, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure it came second. Oh, okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But the, the point is, I mean, there's a guy who's deeply connected and like deeply connected to the point where he's not even really with you on earth. Totally. Um, and he, he, I mean, he's ridiculously successful. Well, I mean, he he built a built multi billion dollar business. At, no, yeah. and if you get a chance, read the surrender experiment. Yeah, it will totally rock your world. In yeah, yeah. Anyways, cool. Uh, the other book I want to recommend that, and I'm a, and I don't know if you've come across Kyle Cease yet. No. I'm a huge fan of Kyle Cease. You will love, love, love him. Okay. And uh, he's a uh, he was a comedian who quit at the top of his game. I mean, this is a comedian that is world renowned and he quit and he went on a whole different journey. And uh, he just wrote a book called the illusion of money. And uh, I've just, and I've actually started reading it only because it wasn't available on uh, download and it's a brand new book. And uh, Kyle Cease, I'm telling you right now, he's a cool dude. Love, love, love that guy. And he's smart. Talk about living from your heart. That's all he talks about. Oh, love it. Very, I'll definitely very cool. do that. Okay, we've so off track. Room, desk, or car, what do you clean first? Uh, all of it. Yeah. You're <laughs> it's a, all tidy. You're, you're a tidy person. You just are. <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, I really get that I, I let go of the fact that I, I I work well in a tidy space. So I will clean before I'm productive because it actually makes me more productive. Yeah, I'm okay with see, that. I'm that way too. I need to, yeah. you know, you wouldn't know it when you look at my desk right in this moment. But yeah, having okay. said that, I, I like a clean space too. Stephanie and I are built that way. We're, yeah, it feels good. Yeah, it just feels good. Uh, better for creativity. Do you have a yeah. favorite tune? Uh, right now, I'm loving Post Malone has a song called Circles. Is that, a, to it? is that country and Western? No, no. Oh. Post Malone is like, if you look at him, you think, really, this guy? Because, I mean, let me see. I, I, his whole neck, maybe face, is all tattoos. And okay. I think he's got a grid on or something. Or I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Google his face and then listen to the song. And okay. you'll be like, oh, wow. That's it's, cool. That's good. Yeah. Well, don't judge a book. Uh, you know, and I, yeah. you know, I'm not a name dropper. I had a, a, a podcast guest. Uh, this was early on, so probably a year and a half ago. Cool dude out of the U.S., but he's all tatted up. I mean, like he's about three twenty-five, mm-hmm. big, big, you know, guy. And uh, when you look at him, you go, "Whoa!" I would not want to meet him in the in the alley kind of <laughs> thing. Alley, yeah. But but ultimately, he turned out to be just the coolest dude. A great interview, and he, he had a doctorate 
So in like wow. in economics, but he also had two master's degrees. So like he's, and he's hitting it over the, you know, out of the park with, with his business and which happens to be investing in real estate. So it was really cool in the U S really cool dude. So don't judge a book by the cover as they Absolutely. say, another, yeah. another reminder. Okay. Do you have a favorite movie? I don't know. Nothing's coming to mind. Like, have you seen uh, Bohemian Rhapsody? Oh my God! Yeah, we briefly talked about that yeah. when you were here. I was moved by that. I, that was that is my one of my all time favorites. Probably the top three movies for me. Yeah. Oh it, my God. Okay, one just came to mind though, Patrick. I do want to make a shout out to is um, now. Let me think. On the basis of sex. No. Have you seen that? No. Um, it's about, uh, oh, what's her name? The Supreme Court judge out of the States, the lady. Um, mm. There's like dolls of her now and stuff. She's become quite the celebrity in the States. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm blanking on her name. But it's her rise, like through Harvard and how she wasn't even accepted as a female originally at Harvard Law School and such a great movie. That's cool. Um, the other movie to watch, which is kind of fun, which I really enjoyed, I caught it on the plane and I would not recommend watching it on a small screen. You got to <laughs> crank it up on a big screen. And that uh, is Aladdin. The new, oh, was it good? Oh, oh it's so good. Will, okay. Smith, Will Smith is awesome. The whole movie is really, really good. Oh, I bet. It's just yeah. a feel good movie. It'll make you cry. Yeah. Okay. Krista, <sighs> what are you grateful for? <sighs> You know, I'm, I am so grateful for my life. Like Patrick, I have an amazing family, amazing life. Just, I live in an amazing place. My kids are great. My nephew who lives with us now is great. Um, I have the cutest pets, a uh, dog and a cat and a new puppy on the way. Um, I'm so, I have an amazing husband who's so driven and so successful and just so great at what he does. Yeah, I could go on. Today, I'm grateful. Well, I'm always grateful for a number of things that I need to get grounded in, but it's really easy for me to be grateful in my podcasts for the guests I have on the show. In this case, it's kind of special because I'm grateful to have healed the falling out of the relationship with Jared and uh, that I'm really grateful for that and having him back in my life as a friend and as a as a business associate. But with that comes the bonus on the gratitude I have for uh, having you back in my life and back in Stephanie's life and the uh, reconnection. And it's really important to me. And so I'm very, very happy and very grateful for that because you bring so much to the table, both of you and both you and Jared. And so that's what I'm grateful for. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for saying that. And I'm, I'm really grateful for you too, Patrick. Thank you, my dear. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.